this week and next week to do something. Um, and there'll probably be other times during the year that when I'll, I'll get to speak. And I thought it would be good to work through a book rather than just sort of doing something off the top of my head. Um, and I spent loads of time preparing this, I must admit. And I said to Janice this morning, oh, I'm not sure that I... I've got tons of notes, but I'm not exactly sure how this is going to go. So, But anyhow, I want to, us to start by reading the whole chapter out. And I'm reading from the NIV um, version, which I think is what everyone else has got anyhow. Paul, an apostle, sent not from men nor by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brothers with me, to the churches in Galatia, Grace and peace to you from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins to rescue us from the present evil age, according to the will of our God and Father, to whom be glory for ever and ever. Amen. I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion, and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than that the one that we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. As we have already said, so I say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Am I trying to win the approval of men or of God? Or of God? Or am I trying to please men? If I were still trying to please men, I would not be a servant of Christ. I want you to know, brothers, that the gospel I preached is not something that man made up. I did not receive it from any man, nor was I taught it. Rather, I received it by revelation from Jesus Christ. For you have heard of my previous way of life in Judaism, how intensely I persecuted the church of God and tried to destroy it. I was advancing in Judaism beyond many Jews of my own age and was extremely zealous for the traditions of my fathers. But when God, who set me apart from birth and called me by his grace, was pleased to reveal his son in me so that I may preach him among the Gentiles, I did not consult any man, nor did I go up to Jerusalem to see those who were apostles before I was. But I went immediately to Arabia and later returned to Damascus. Then after three years, I went up to Jerusalem to get acquainted with Peter and stayed with him 15 days. I saw none of the other apostles, only James, the Lord's brother. I assure you before God that what I am writing to you is no lie. Later I went to Syria and to Cilicia. I was personally unknown to the churches of Judea that are in Christ. They only heard the report, the man who formerly persecuted us is now preaching the faith he once tried to destroy. And they praised God because of me. And when we started this morning, because I haven't had any conversation with Liz about what we were going to, I was going to talk about, but the issues that Paul's talking about are very much about family. Um, what appears to have happened was that Paul had preached the, the gospel in Galatia, which is, wasn't a town, it was a whole area, and he preached the gospel to a number of churches, and he was preaching a gospel of inclusiveness, that Jew and Gentiles stood before God equal because of what Christ had done. 
that no longer was there any need to be circumcised or to keep the ritual laws or, or any of the laws because Christ, we're accepted fully in Christ. And this was about splitting up the family because what these Judaizers wanted to do was for there to be two classes of Christians, those who had been circumcised and was keeping the law and those who weren't circumcised. And, and Paul was saying, no, I'm having none of this. I, what Christ has done is brought together a family in, in unity. Now, they seem to have been saying to him, that, um, or, or about him, that he had uh, not really got the gospel right, that he was actually just been sent out by the other apostles, but it had got it wrong. And you can see this from, and I've already lost my notes because I've just completely strayed from them. Uh, he, 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 he was saying that, um, and I've completely lost myself. Oh, no good. See, this is the good thing about being a family. We can muck things up. <laughs> well, you might, it might be so. Um, so he was, he was uh, they seem to be saying that he hadn't um, got this message from, from, uh, from, from God, but he got it from the, from the, 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 the apostles and that he had mucked it up in some way. And they were also trying to say he was a man-pleaser. And we see this in, in Galatians um, 6 through to 10. It says, I'm astonished that you so quickly deserted him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Not that there is another gospel, but there are some who trouble you and want to distort the gospel of Christ. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach to you a gospel contrary to the one that we preach, let him be accursed. As we have said now, before, now we say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one you have received, let him be accursed. For am I now seeking the approval of men or God? See, now he's saying, look, everyone's saying I I'm, I'm just speaking something because I want the approval of men, but look, I'm saying these people are accursed. In fact, the NIV is not very good on this translation because it says eternally damned, and I don't believe that Paul ever said that, and in fact the word in the Greek is an anathema, which can mean um, accursed or it can mean be excommunicated. And he saw that the, this people's teaching was so bad that they, and if anyone else preached such a gospel, it was so bad to the unity of the church that they should be put out of the church because of the, the teaching. That's how important this whole thing was to Paul. So he, he shows that he is no man-pleaser. He hasn't um, just uh, saying these things about circumcision and not keeping the law just to please men and to make it easy for the Gentiles. But he's saying he did it because of a revelation that he had from Jesus. At the moment, there's a great controversy in some parts of the church about the whole issue of grace. And in America, it's become quite a hot topic when you talk about grace. And uh, there are some preachers who are being called hyper-grace teachers because they're, not, they're teaching grace above law. And I think the church has become so confused about what grace and what law is and its place in our lives that it's important that we look at this whole issue of grace, which is one of the reasons why I wanted us to look at Galatians. Some are saying that because they're teaching grace, it's sort of, they're teaching also that you can do what you like as Christians. And because they're saying that the law doesn't matter, then, then um, you can just go on and you can go on sinning. 
and you can go on doing this and that. And yet not one of these preachers who are supposedly sane, and I've read a few of their books, I've listened to a load of their sermons, actually say that. But they are actually saying that um, the grace of God is such a big thing that if we haven't got it as a foundation of our lives, if we're still trying to earn our righteousness and earn our standing with God, then as Christians we, we fail entirely and we always live under condemnation. And that's the problem with these, these men that were coming in and stirring things up in Galatia. They were saying there were certain things you need to do in order to earn that privilege of being in, in the family. That there were things that you need to do to make sure that you're right with God, apart from just believing in what Christ has done for them. And the problem with religion, and the big problem with religion, is when is enough enough? And I, I don't know about you, I've, I've had times in my life where I've struggled with, um, with whether I was saved or not, particularly in the early days. And I would look to things that I'd done, and I would think, well, this week I've prayed a lot, therefore I must be a good Christian. You know, God loves me, and his blessings will be poured on me because I've prayed for half an hour a day. And then the next week, I've had a terrible week, and I wouldn't pray. And then I think, oh, he can't love me anymore. I'm distant from God because I haven't prayed. I haven't prayed enough. And then you might have another week where, where you, you've got on top of a sin. Maybe it's anger. And you haven't had an outburst of anger all week. And you think, God loves me. And I'm in the center of his will. And things are going right. And then something goes wrong. And you explode. And the next week you think, God doesn't love me anymore because I failed him. And that's the problem when we start to put our um, Christian faith on the level of what we do rather than what Christ has done for us. It's been said there are two actual types of, of religion in the world. Although there seems to be thousands and thousands of them out there, there is actually only two. The first type of religion says, I must do in order to earn from God. I have to save myself through fulfilling certain certain um, uh, ceremonies or through, through doing certain things. I must save myself. But Christ, and then there's Christianity, which is the other one, which says that God comes as a man and he does the very things that we couldn't do for ourselves. And they're two totally different things. One, there just is endless work and endless trying and, and, and never having any sort of security as Christians, as people. And then there's the other one, the Christian way, where we have security knowing that God loves us, cares for us, deeply affectionate for us, not because of our performance, not through anything that we do right, but simply because of what Christ has done for us. In fact, when I was going to start this talk by saying that um, there are two doctrines which I think the church struggles with, um, and yet they're two very foundational ones. One, one is the love of God. Now, we all like talking about the love of God, but I can guarantee as soon as you start talking about the love of God, someone will say, oh, yes, but he's just, or, oh, yes, but he's a God of wrath. And yet, um, as if they're something disconnected, that God is just because he's a father and because he loves us. And when God acts in wrath, and we see him acting in wrath, it's as a father. And it's not because it offends him so much as it, 
it hurts the object of his love. When he's angry with us because we sin, it's not because he's offended so much as it hurts him that the object of his love is being destroyed. So love and grace and things, they're not separate. In fact, love and grace are really connected because because grace says God loves us before. Grace says that Christ died before even I, I knew him. Grace says that God has forgiven me all of my sins, past, present and future. It's already done. Grace says God loves me as I am. It doesn't matter what happens after, he loves me. And he will do everything he can to to bring me into the fullness of what Christ has done for me. And that gives me confidence, and that should give each one of us confidence, that we have a God who, who loves us, who didn't wait for us to grasp out to him. And that when we run away from him, he's a God who runs after us. Um, when we sin, he doesn't suddenly say, oh, I can't touch you anymore, I can't be around you. He seeks us out. And when Adam and Eve sat, um, sinned at the beginning, it wasn't God that, that hid from them, which somewhat, so often we get this impression with sin and God hides from us. But he didn't. He sought them out. They hid from him. Their shame made them hide. But because we're in grace, because we need no, no longer have that shame, we can come and when we sin, we can say, Lord, look, I've done wrong. And, it, and he will help us. And he will help to change us and help us to, to um, become the people he wants us to. So I've probably left my notes quite a lot. Um, but I hope I've got this message over that grace is, is the centre of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That the idea that that there are second class, first and second class Christians is, is something that that is is something that we should never have that attitude. And although these things talk about circumcision, which seems a long way and distant from us because it's not a big thing anymore, you know. But there are other things in church, and I'm not talking about our church as such, but the church in general, that can separate people. And I think it's good if we thought about those things. It might be it might be class, um, uh, it, it could be um, someone's, it can st- ethnicity still comes into it in some places. In the early church, in their day, there were all sorts of things that separate being, being a woman, being a slave, being a gentle, being a Jew, all these things separated. And yet, as we see, as we go through Galatians, Paul says they're of no account because we're a family. So I think... Although this seems like almost a word that's theoretical, it's important that we look and see what does this say about me, my attitude to other people? What does it say to us as a church about those who are yet outside the church but whom God is at this moment reaching out and trying to draw in? Do we put barriers up? Do we make things difficult so that people can come into the full knowledge of Christ? Are there things in, that we, we um, are separating ourselves with? And I think that those things that we should ask ourselves. And we should also ask ourselves, do we really understand the grace of God? And um, ask God, if we don't, to have a real revelation of that grace, that we are accepted, that we are loved, that we are already righteous in him, that we're already declared holy in him. 
And although we fail him many, many times, he sees us, first of all, as saints. And, and he sees us as a father who loves us. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you for all that Jesus has done for us that lets us stand before you complete. We want to thank you, Jesus, that you've broken down every barrier, that there's only one way to the Father, and that's through you, not through our efforts. We want to thank you, Father, that you don't keep a tally in heaven of good things and bad things and reward us or not reward us on those things. But all the rewards that we have are given to us through what Christ has done for us. Thank you that we can completely relax in that, Lord, knowing that we are accepted and loved by you and cared for by you. And we pray, Father, that you will make these truths more and more evident to us, Lord, in our lives. And where there's confusion, that you would take that away. And that we would live in the freedom of what Christ has done for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. I don't know if anyone wants to comment. It was a bit of a, a messy, messy talk. Um, but if there are things that Maybe you've seen as we were reading through the scripture that you want to you want to share. I, I think it's another thing actually that other religions don't really have a concept of, and um, even even the the great ones, you know, the the sort of big ones like Islam, is the idea of a god of love. They believe in a god who who shows some type of kindness and is merciful. But the other idea of a God who's father, even the Jews didn't quite grasp it, they had some idea. But Jesus came and called, his, called God Daddy and teaches us to call him Daddy. And that's a, a, a concept that's foreign to most religions. Gods are one thing, are those beings that sit there and muck around with human affairs and, and chuck the odd thunderbolt at people every now and again and it's about appeasing and about them might be merciful but we talk about God as a father who who isn't prepared to see his creation messed up who hates seeing people caught in sin because of what it does to them and reaches out and finds that our, our religion is so our belief our, is so different from other religions Anyone else got anything to share? And I think Paul goes on later in Galatians to talk about this. When we're talking about liberty, it's not talking about us becoming libertarians where anything goes, because that's never true liberty anyhow. We're set free that we might do the things that God wants us to do. Um, but it's not by pulling ourselves up by our shoestrings. It's what because there's more to it than that. There's what God does in us. And again, Paul goes on later on to talk about the spirit indwelling us. And um, so he doesn't just say, I cancel all debts, go and do what you like, and you're all on your own. 
he then comes and dwells within us, so it's great. just reminded, um, I think it was um, Adrian Plass, who used to be at our church many years ago, he was, he was telling me about um, an experience he had at school, and he was pretty naughty at school, when he, he, he was doing something in the playground really bad, and this, this, this teacher called out, Plass, come to my room, and he went there trembling, thinking that he was going to have a, because in those days there was the cane. And instead, what this teacher did was he gave him tea and cakes. <laughs> Rather than a punishment, he actually gave him tea and cakes. And Adrian Plass said it completely changed him. He didn't want to go and do the, this naughty thing he'd been doing over and over again because he didn't want to, because, because this teacher has been so kind, he didn't want to do that anymore. And I think it's a bit the same with us and God. We know we've done wrong. We know we fail even now. And rather than God coming down with a, with a cane, he comes down and gives us tea and cakes instead. <laughs> you know, gives us all the blessings of Jesus. Um, I do know what you mean, yes. Yes, I'm going to write. It's what, it's what God has done in your heart. You see, that's the thing. I mean, before I was a Christian, I had no problem with sinning. I could do it and, and not really think about it. I might have a little guilty conscience, but I could dismiss it. When I became a Christian, sin, I could still sin, and I still can, but it has no pleasure in it anymore because it's not my nature anymore. It was my nature, but God has changed me inside, and it's the same for each one of us. And, and we, we don't trust that. I think that one of the things that was happening, why, why, why uh, for the Galatians this was such an easy um, thing to swallow, this whole thing about needing to do certain things, is because somehow we can't believe it's that good. We can't believe that there's a God who's that good to us. And um, so we think, oh, there must be something I've got to do to earn this. And God's saying, no, um, it's all done for you. So, do it because you love. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is wonderful. Yeah. And yet, Christians, sometimes we've got, I think, the church over the years has really frightened of this because they do think people will then go and sin so we put sort of rules around you've got to do this you've got to do that you've got to pay your tithes you've got to go to church every sunday and rather than doing them because you love them people sometimes end up doing them because they feel they have to you've got to say your prayers you've got to read the bible and these are all good things but if they're just being done because we think it earns a brownie point with god then they're uh, they're nothing and they they mean nothing but we, when when god touches us and we just think oh i just want to be there that's another thing altogether. 